Well, welcome. Only a truly inquiring mind would click on such a link with a title as this, and I want to thank you for joining us today. So to tell you a little bit about how this came together, back in December of 2019, my good friend and pastor at Turning Point Church, Hoss Ridgeway, approached me and said, um, would you consider getting together on a regular basis? And I was like, well, sure. Because, you know, number one, Hoss is just a super cool guy, and uh, accountability partners are always a positive thing. It's good to find um, a person a Christian especially who is, so to speak, on your level and yet at the same time challenges you, somebody that you can run with. And um, when Haas presented this to me, I said, you know, well, what what will we do when we get together? And, you know, not that you really need a reason to get together with a guy like Haas, but, uh, <laughs> and he said, you know, well, well maybe we'll just uh, take a look at the sermons that are coming up uh, for the church and settle in a, over the sermon series and, and put together some things around that. And it was a really intriguing idea. I've got to say that um, I have worked in teams before developing material and content, and I know a lot of pastors, a lot of preachers don't, um, and it's creative process, but uh, Haas and I have really discovered that uh, early on, studying in tandem was bringing something special and unique to the sermon preparation environment. And I just got to say, it's been a real blessing to me. And last week, as we were wrapping up our time together, I said, you know, it's really too bad that more people can't experience this. I mean, this would make for a great Bible study. And he said, yeah, he said, I was thinking the same thing. Maybe we should just record this. And and I don't know, it can be one of those things. I mean, do you really want to know how the hot dogs are made? I don't, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you may do this once and, and think to yourself, well, that was interesting. I never have to do that again. Or maybe uh, you'll find it useful in your own study. Um, just, just be aware that uh, creativity um, is a process. Sermon preparation is a process. And so um, there's a whole lot more that goes into it. Uh, today, we're just going to do the unpacking portion. So that's pretty much the setup. I mean, we're just inviting you sort of uh, behind the closed doors for the uh, step one of sermon preparation, which is just to uh, get all the content out there and um, get as much of it as we feel like we can explore on a cursory view and um, put that down and then and then see where the parts arrange and, and what appears evidently from the text. It is a process of uh, exegesis, just allowing what is in the text uh, to make its way to the surface. So um, I hope you enjoy this, and uh, we do plan to do this again, so look for it. We may just do this for the rest of the Matthew series. I think it would be interesting. So um, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. All right, so uh, we're here with uh, my good friend Daniel Earl, and so uh, on Wednesdays what we do is uh, we have breakfast at Ann's normally, except this morning I had to go uh, and eat at home because I had a guy fixing the garage door. Uh, then we come over here to the church and we fill this whiteboard behind us and we study um, this, the scripture and we're in Matthew chapter 11, so if you want to follow along. And I actually like to use our little 
Matthews that the church provided for us, which right. was great. Yeah, I'm not using mine this morning, which yeah, is okay. a sad day. So um, basically, we're, we use the ESV's Illuminated Bible, which means there's a scripture on one page and a blank page on the other. And our whole church, everyone has one as we walk through the, the book of Matthew together. And so um, we just finished... Um, an overview of the Sermon on the Mount, and then we talked about uh, three special words last week. We talked about um, the cost of following Jesus, which uh, people didn't get, um, control that people wanted. We talked about how um, the centurion, who was not a Jew, who was um, accredited as having great faith, none greater in Israel, which was kind of cool. Um, then we talked about... Um, so it was control, the cost, and then the third C was uh, the calling, like that we are called to go out and serve. And so that leads us to chapter 11. That was 8 through uh, 10. In chapter 11, um, what you see in, in chapter 11, if I'll get to it here, starts off with uh, John the Baptist. And, and there's some really interesting things here, Daniel, I wanted to share with you. Okay. And I'm going to try to be real because uh, I'm kind of tempted sometimes when... You then went into yeah, presentation I went mode. into presentation mode, which I'm not trying to be. All right, so... Uh, don't feel ignored. We're just trying to pretend like you're not here. Right. We're just we're just on video. Okay. So I was talking to somebody and I was telling them like what we were going to do with the behind the scenes look thing. And they were like, well, that's... Do you really want to see how the hot dogs are made? I mean, it, it's it's yeah, probably gonna, a little bit sloppy, but we're going to show you. Today. It goes through it goes through a refinement process. I found yeah. that almost all of my messages, though every every presentation, whether it be um, uh, it doesn't matter. It just it goes through a refinement process. Yeah, absolutely. And so what we're going to do is just kind of look at the the chapter here at eleven. It starts out with John the Baptist, and and John the Baptist is arrested at this time. It was really interesting. <laughs> Um, I think it was Andy Stanley that, that brought this, this point out one time when I heard him. He's, in verse 4 it says, Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. And then he quotes Old Testament. He says, The blind receive sight, the lame walk, and those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Did you know there's one piece of that missing? Like this, this list is in the Old Testament as a prophecy. Set the captives free. It's set the captives free, and so basically, it's a coded <laughs> message to Thanks John. Thanks for John. <laughs> yeah, John, I'm sorry you're not going to get out. That's basically wow. what he's saying to him, and he said, "Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account mm-hmm. of me." So he's like, "Don't give up, even though you're not going to get out of prison. Don't give up." And so, as John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. He says, "What did you?" Mm-hmm. What did you go out into the desert to see? It's like, why did you go out to see that crazy guy who is eating honey, wild honey and locust? That sounds disgusting. And has covered in, in, in camel hair, you know, and this is a reed swayed by the wind. <laughs> if not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? Eh, wrong answer. He was in hair. No, those who wear fine clothes are the kings <laughs> in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. So he's like the forerunner, right? I tell you a truth. Among those born of women, there is not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. 
yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So hmm. what do you think that means, Daniel? Oh, my goodness. Well, one thing I'll tell you, this you you probably have these like little impromptu verses that you stick into conversations. Right. Um, a lot of times I like to study the philosophical strategy or um, really how how Jesus presents things. It's masterful. Yeah. Um, and so often I'll insert into the conversation, why did you take up this activity? Why did you use this behavior? Taking it directly from Jesus' approach here. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? Um, and, and I, so like even on Sundays, I think it's a great time for us to say, what did you come to church for? Yeah. Why are you here? Yeah. I mean, did you, did you come here to like see the show? <laughs> I mean, did you come here, you know, because Hoss Ridgeway's here? I mean, I know that's why I come. Well, I come sure to the Hossage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't, you didn't show up at church so that you could uh, see me dressed in fine linen. Right. I'm in denim. To, <laughs> hey, that's that true. works. Right. I would keep that. And, yeah, and why we, aren't you writing that? And, <laughs> and we do baptize. So that's the other part, you know. Linens, denims, and baptisms. <laughs> we're close. We got something. Working. Right. But I think I think that's the valid question because I know for me, um, I can get into oh um, the bacon. The bacon. I can get into that whole thing of we get into our religious practice and every now and then right. it's really good that we stop and ask ourselves a question. What did you come? Why Why are you even here? Like even today, why are you here today? Because the wife, the kids, keeping up with the Joneses, habits. Right. What is it? Um, but it's usually, I, I think that the most of us, at least me, I'm a lot like John, that I can go through the motions until, you know, prison or whatever right. it is that rocks my world. But, right. so, and then the imagery that Jesus uses being that of, is it a reed blowing in the wind? Because that always brings to mind the imagery of the conversation with Nicodemus. Oh. Right? The wind blows where it will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so he, it kind of is the answer. Right. And what else do reeds do? They make sound. They make music. Mm. And so I'm, I'm thinking like, I know what Jesus is doing with the audience, but somehow inside of me, there's a thought that maybe Jesus on the underside of that has this imagery of, you know, if you will accept it, John is Elijah. If you will accept it, he was a reed blowing in the wind. But that wind is the Holy Spirit. And right. music was the sound of the Holy Spirit passing across John. So in a way, yeah, you were out there just to hear a reed in the wind. But, um, I know that's like... But yeah, like my brother just shared a, a scripture from... Uh, second, was it Second Timothy? Oh, on the live feed? And yeah, on the live feed, just about how... Oh, how many people are writing this message? we got like 20 of us. There's right? a bunch of us right now, cool. which is awesome. <laughs> I'm going to bring up his, his post so we can, we can bring it up here online. Um, have to go to the book of faces. <laughs> so, um, but basically, here here's what what um, we have to realize is that um, here he says Second Timothy three twelve. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Yeah. We're never promised that we'll escape persecution, just like John the Baptist. And it's like, so you know. Yes, he's here to heal. And that's kind of the, the story of Jesus up to this point was healing every disease, every affliction, casting out every demon. It says every one of them, right? But then he goes to prison. And he's like, persecution's about to happen to John. And he's like, you're not getting out of it. 
And so Jason made a really good point saying, you know, hey, um, you're, you're not you're not getting out of that. And and that we're we're going to suffer for, for Christ. And that's what John had to do. Even in the ministry of Christ, it demonstrates to me there's a season of revelation or a season of development to the ministry. So I was thinking, obviously, about the fulfillment because I'm really stuck. Like the thing that's jumping out most to me in Matthew is the fulfillment aspect Mm. like calling back up the prophets again. And he's even using this argument of fulfillment to John, who is in prison. And then he's going to talk about the prophecy that points to John, which is interesting because we think about the prophecy that points to Jesus, but Jesus is going to bring up a prophecy that points to John, um, which is going to be interesting to see. But yeah. And so, but only part of this is fulfilled. I mean, we're in the, it's, it's the process of it, right? Yeah. But what, I guess the question we have is, why is John the least of these? I mean, like he says, everybody else in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. What's one thing he oh, doesn't no. get to see? Right. Well, I I don't know. That, that verse to me, it always it, it makes me think about the fact that, I mean, being in the presence of the Lord is by far, I mean, so R.C. Sproul, whom I know you're probably unfamiliar with, made the statement. Goodness. Okay. He said that um, the only good theologian is a dead theologian. <laughs> and that's what I come up with. I mean, the person who sees Christ face to face, right? we can study for the next 50, 60, 70, 80 years. But the one who has stood face to face with Christ in the kingdom um, is instantly right. uh, a 10 times better theologian than, than we could ever hope to be. So when you look at, you know, the little symbols of of the gospel, you know, that Jesus came down and then he died on the cross, he was buried and then he resurrected, right? Dude, that would make a really cool tattoo. It, I, <laughs> don't you know that tattoos are sinful? <laughs> right. Sorry. Okay, here we go. And technically that is a marking on your body for the dead. Okay, for Jesus. Okay. Yeah, but once alive. you get like that, the last part though is not for the dead. That's okay. for the living. So here's the point, right? <laughs> So here's, here's John the Baptist, right? He even was born before Jesus, right? Six months before. But here, John is in this ministry, but his life is cut short wow. right before the cross, right? Man. And so here's the kingdom, um, uh, which is the church, right? And the whiteboard does remove your ability to spell <laughs> the kingdom. There you go. I put the G. I, don't take the G out. I like it better. The kingdom. We're all in the family. <laughs> I like that. Kind We're of, all kin. That was a beautiful accident. Okay. Yeah. So, but the point is, is that he's saying, listen, when you're here, right? If you're here, you are here. Then that means you have witnessed this, the gospel. Hmm. John was died right here before all of this happened and took place. So like he couldn't even see, like all of the prophets never got to see what they told about. Can I get a witness? Uh, oh, that's beautiful. And so like he's saying like you're in the kingdom. When you get to see all of this, that makes you greater than the prophets because you're living in Christ. So like this is, you know, when we go through this ourselves, dying to our old self, and then we're buried in water and then we raise up out of that you know when we go through the gospel we're in the kingdom in the church you are here john though baptizing everyone never got to be a part of that it's moses never got to go to the promised land but he didn't do anything wrong he did everything right 
it's just a different take on all that. Wow. It's a secondary picture of Moses. That's, yeah. That's really interesting. It, it's kind of powerful. And so is John, boy, he's an interesting character. Yeah. I feel, I feel like out of all the people in the Bible, John the Baptist, it, like Jesus said, there's none greater than John the Baptist. And yet, what do we know about him? So, at least for me, He's like a footnote almost. Mm. Like he never really got the press he deserved. But but what do you call him? Do you call John a prophet? Is he a prophet? He has to be. Because he, he is he the last prophet? He is, right before I mean, Jesus. other than Jesus, so he, he is the last prophet. In the in the in the Passover is feast. Is that fair to say or not fair? It is fair to say because in the Passover feast they're cool, they're they're like that last cup's for Elijah, wait till he comes. But he does come, and it's John the Baptist. That's what that stood for. He's uh like just like Jesus is the second Adam or whatever, John is the second Elijah telling us about, you know, Jesus is the Messiah, and he's telling us about the Messiah. So the, the, he didn't get to see everything that he talked about. You know, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, you know. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world is how he announced him when he was baptized. And so he's like, that's the sacrifice. He doesn't even get to be a part of the sacrifice. But he, so Jesus gives him this coded message like, we feel the sick, the blind, the you know all these kind of things, and then you you look at, at but the the prisoners aren't set free, right? For you, and then, yeah, and neither is Israel, like, because here's the whole thing. Like, if you think John's disappointment is something, wait until Israel finds out that Jesus isn't coming to overthrow the Romans. Right. Listen to what he says. He says, uh, um. For the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcibly advancing, mm-hmm. and forceful men lay hold of it. For all the prophets oh, and the man. law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who is to come. He who has ears, let him hear. He's like, are you listening? Is this thing on? Right? Yeah. <laughs> to, to what can I compare this generation they are like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang um, a dirge, whatever that is, yeah. um, and you did not mourn. Like we we sang a sad song. It didn't. Even, your heart isn't even moved by what is really going on. It says for John came neither eating nor drinking, and they they say he is a demon. Mm-hmm. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a, a, glutton a glutton and a wine bibber. Right. In the King James. Right, exactly. <laughs> Behold, a glutton and a wine bibber. And he's like, This guy's a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom. <gasps> oh, and who's he talking about? Jesus. Being he's referring to Matthew, the, the, the oh, friend of himself. The, friend of the tax collectors. He's you like, know, Matthew's like looking at Jesus, like, Sorry about that tax collector thing, bro. And he's like, It's all good, man. <laughs> he's like, Every time, every time Jesus, it, imagine the apostles following Jesus every time he's like you know those tax collectors Matthew's like come on man <laughs> right but then, and then they look at Peter and they're like and sinners yeah and I like, just imagine Peter be, be the guy that would just like drop an expletive when they were <laughs> call me a sinner right or at least every time he called him a sinner in the background <laughs> I, I don't know that's sometimes we get out of hand that doesn't make it into the sermon but but here's here's an interesting thing but he says that and he's like this really is one of my favorite passages. So I've got like two big ones. John 3 and this conversation with Jesus about John because I think 
like even today I hear a lot of people so going to like <laughs> the pew user <laughs> uh, the end user like the guy in the pew who may or may not have a lot of church background experience and they come right. with the question of why so many ministries mm. this passage right here I always go to this Jesus and John the Baptist had ministries right next door to each other I mean literally right next door to each other now my question is who had the better ministry I mean, whose whose ministry was ordained by God? Whose ministry right. was the real ministry? And I think the answer to that is they both were the real ministry. They were both being moved by the Holy Spirit. And we're talking about Jesus and John the Baptist. And John John King preaching. Uh, so they had we we talked about Jesus' baptism several weeks ago, and we uncovered the fact that the the. What's that Hebrew word? Mikvah. There were there were yes, seven hundred mikvah everywhere around there, places for people to be immersed, and they did that for um, the there to be pure. A ritual. And, and what's really crazy is they put the ashes of their sacrifice in the water. And yeah. of course, what we don't understand is that is an antiseptic. That is a cleansing, literally cleansing the outside of the body. When Second Peter talks about it being an internal cleansing, it's not the putting off the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God. So here's John baptizing them all of a sudden for the repentance of their sins, which is carried over into Jesus's ministry. And he's preparing everybody's heart to say, listen, it's no longer you're just saved because you're a Jew or you're in the, that that, you know, you're because you were born into this tribe or that tribe or that you have this title or that title. He's like, now it's up to you. You've got to do what's right. Mm-hmm. And so John and the Baptist is like, you know, uh, setting it up. And Jesus is like, this is, this guy is important. And he's like, and, and y'all made fun of him, you know? And you were like, you called him a demon. And then you called me a drunkard and a glutton. And then he says, "Yeah, but wisdom is proved right by her actions. Absolutely. Wisdom is justified of her children, I think, is the way that the King James put it. Mm. So it's obviously a euphemism. Um, of like saying, basically, like, uh, the proof's in the pudding. Yeah. Like, you look at the it's life. The same thing. It, I've said it this way. Like, so, you know, I used to work in research and development, product research right. and development, field testing. And I used to always say, you can't argue with the results. I mean, once you have the results, those are the results. Yeah. You could sit all day long, you can get out the board, you could go in the laboratory, you can do everything, but how it works in the field is how it works. Absolutely. And you, you can't be like, well, I, you know, our study shows, well, <laughs> your study was wrong. You st- <laughs> Swing and a miss, bro. Right? Yeah. But so in this, um, I don't know, I think. How far are you going to go on side? I mean, how far are we going to try to get so, realistically? I, I want to kind of set up this this part of it to, to lead into the ending of this chapter. And so just to unpack the whole chapter. This is one of those places where I would be so tempted to just do the whole thing. Just stop and park and be like, we got to talk about this relationship between Jesus and John the Baptist. We got because to me, this is the relationship that points between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Right. It points to prophecy and fulfillment, but it also points to the relationship of churches today, which, quite frankly, is something I'm not satisfied with. Um, I just I don't know. It seems like we I think it's gotten better. I don't know. Do you think it's gotten better, the animus between churches and denominations? and 
in, in some ways, it, it, there, there has been... Uh, and I know we just both became painfully aware right. that we're live right, right. now. Right, <laughs> on, on the internet. But, okay, so, so, remember when we used to have friends and followers <laughs> until we started to say what we really thought? <laughs> so, I, I guess I'll go here. In, in what, what the, the restoration movement, which uh, the Turning Point Church is a part of, the the what what history church history historians have called the second great awakening where this is the desire to return to the bible only right and then i think i'm witnessing the same kind of thing in churches today you know when they're dropping denominational names and they're just calling themselves the church you know they give their stuff a fancy name like you know, north, south, east, west, or whatever. You know, sure. and like we're turning the point vibe, church. The, yeah, they get whatever it is. Everybody's yeah. trying to get a cool brand, and and I, but see that's a, never mind. Go ahead. And and I'm not just being disparaging about that kind of thing. But what I'm saying is, there is a return to say, hey, like we watched that video of Francis Chan where he's like, oh, the Bible says, you know, Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you. And he's like, there wasn't any, well, what if I trip going down the steps and hit my head? And, or what if the chariot takes me out on the walk over? He's like, they didn't have any excuses. They just did right. what he said. And when they said, you know, take this Lord's Supper, which not everybody takes communion every week. And, and again, not trying to attack those people, but basically we're just trying to be doing what he says. And more and more churches are like, maybe we should do that every week. Maybe right. we should baptize right when someone believes. Maybe we should, you know, and so I, I feel like there is a greater resurgence of that. And as long as people don't get caught up in the um, the business side of church and become it, not a denomination anymore, but this company and entity and everybody, they all, they're the only ones that can do it. And then they're like, you know, I, again, I'm live and I'm going to say it anyway that, you know, I, I'm the only one good enough to preach. So... We're going to plant 12 more churches and we're going to put my video on those 12 churches because I'm the, the, the you know, the cat's meow when, sure. when it should be more about relationships, discipleship and that kind of thing. Uh, numbers, you know, it's not about drawing a crowd. It's about bringing about a congregation of the Lord. I think Francis Chan, you mentioned him earlier, he brings up a reasonable question and a right. reasonable premise. I say question and premise because not only did he present the question, but also potential solution you know what are we doing with the with the mega churches yeah and I, I don't say that necessarily derogatory I mean you know the first so you know some people are like you know well they're mega churches I'm like okay let's remember that on the day of Pentecost there that was, was a five thousand yeah the first church three thousand baptized but that didn't include yeah women and children so it was probably a lot you know right and then I'll also point to this somebody says well you know that's it we got to have numbers I'm like yeah but also every time the crowds got around five thousand Jesus intentionally did something to drive them away <laughs> you know so, I mean there's both sides Eat of that my coin and drink my blood right it's like <laughs> that's the worst sermon he ever preached I'm he never preached a bad sermon but like the effect of it was he lost everybody he turns his disciples and like, are you guys leaving too? Remind me later. I'll tell you a really funny tagline okay. for that message. Well, let's 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 connect this story with the end of it by going through this next section. Okay. All right. Yeah, we got to move forward, right? And Jesus began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles had performed. Bethsaida. Yeah, and then he, then a bunch of names that I'm going to mess up. So just stay with me, because they did not repent. It says, "Woe to you, Chorazin." Charizim, right? Uh, woe to you, Bethsaida, and the miracles that were performed in you have been performed 
in Tyree and Sidon, and when you have repented long ago, did I mess that up too? <laughs> how, how would you say it? The, it's a uh, it's amazing the contribution that Max McLean has made to the. <laughs> you said that in your message, like what was it two weeks ago? You're like, I'm not gonna lie. I listened to like the <laughs> the, the U version Bible app. I read. I like listened to it like twelve times and just like spoke just so I can it. pronounce the names. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look, that's a cheat, man. I mean, you got to be yeah. strong there. Right, right. And then they would repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. He's like, you you should have really see like one of the most important pieces to the puzzle is what John preached in the wilderness, and that is repentance. And what is repentance? Mm-hmm. It's change. It's not. Uh, I got the T-shirt, or I I checked the box, and I was there on Sunday. It's raised living. Yeah, I raised my hand in a prayer. All hands raised, every head bowed. You know, Which are great steps. I mean, they're great steps along the the, the road. I mean, I and I guess we should be careful about. It's not a finish line, right there. You know, it's yeah. just like, hey, everyone needs to say, I want to, I want to call out that Jesus is the Lord of my life, right? Because saying He's the Lord means I'll do whatever He says, mm-hmm. right? Does that mean that makes sense? And so uh, he goes on and he says, but I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon or Sidon, however you want to say it. Tyre and Sidon. Okay, Tyre and Sidon. I got it right now. On the day of judgment, then for you and you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? Nope. (laughs) It's no. It's not nope. But um, (laughs) you will go out into the depths. If the miracles that were performed in you had not been performed in Sodom, it would be uh, have have remained to this day. And the ESV, I'll just pause real quick. Okay, it says like, you will be brought down to Hades. Hmm. And I know the KJV says you will be brought down to hell. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was so. I'm pretty sure this is Gehenna. Yeah, and in, in the footnotes of the NIV, this is 1973. Uh-huh. They they it, wherever there's a discrepancy, the they text. put the other version at the bottom, which that's why I appreciate this particular uh, yeah, translation. They have? they have Hades. And so it's like... So what are we going to go with on Sunday? Well, we'll we'll go with Hades because you're going to be using ESV, right? (laughs) That's right. I'll be using ESV, so that's right. But if the the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. That's repentance, right? If, If the change... Like, I was talking to a good friend. You realize this is offending my, like my Calvinistic tendencies. <laughs> so I'm not a Calvinist. I do have Calvinistic tendencies, right, but right. it's kind of like, we kind of lean on, if then, right. Oh, right. It's kind of like, <laughs> there, there goes my Calvin. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm, um, we're and, having some fun. We're pretending like you guys aren't here. If you can't take right. a joke, go. This is what we do every Wednesday morning. So, yeah, but it, yeah, like here he's saying like, if, they had seen those miracles, which or had recognized them because God was performing them by sending messengers and angels to them and having and they're being told to repent, you know, or they'll be destroyed. They didn't do it. They didn't listen. If they would have repented, he said Sodom would still be here. And but um, this is Jonah's argument. I'm seeing Jonah here. I mean, we saw Moses earlier pictured, you know, with John, but you know, Jonah. Um, I, which I don't know. This was a conversation I was having with somebody else who was doing a study for Bible college about Jonah. But the whole thing of Nineveh repents and Jonah's mad. He's like, Yeah, that's why I didn't want to preach, right? Because those guys listen. 
<laughs> you know they got rid of their cheese curds. Okay, that's the Veggie Tales version. But anyway, here, here's here's what's really powerful. I'm seeing right here. He says in verse 24, "But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you." Look at this. Look look at what we've already seen on the board right now. Okay, this is crazy. If you see these things and you deny those things, like. You have no excuse if you see the resurrected Savior, if you see the kingdom, right? It's like, if you see the miraculous signs, you see, because John is preaching, right? Jesus is healing. And it goes even further, like the, the Spirit of God was on Jesus to perform miracles. And he's like, Sodom, I mean, this is me unpacking it out loud and spitballing, but Sodom, he's saying better for them, I mean, than it is for you when you've seen all these miracles and you you didn't even repent. Like he fed the 5,000 and they came to him after he came back from um, across the the lake and and they wanted more. Feed us again, do it again. Mm -hmm. He's like, you only come to me because you want to see the signs. He said, you're working for food that spoils. Why don't you work for food that endures? Like this relationship, repentance and living this life. That's what he's calling them to. Like Sodom and Gomorrah both had the choice to leave their idolatry, leave their sin, leave their all these other, the list of things goes on and on. Of course, we want to make that list short and say it's just homosexuality, but it was more than that. Oh, yeah, it but, was, those were signs of the times, yeah. Right. I mean, those were not, um, those were the effect mm -hmm. from the cause, which yep. was idolatry. And then when you lose God as your, um, your compass, your moral compass, then everything's kind of fair game. And that was the whole point of Sodom. Yes, that was a part of the reason why they were destroyed, but it was destroyed because God was not the center of their life and repentance never happened, right? Yeah. It's that like gangrene. I mean, gangrene can start in one part of the body, right. but eventually it, it'll, it will travel and kill unless you... Yeah. Right. This is not me saying that that homosexuality is not a sin. It's just that in, in that story, we've kind of placed that as the only problem that they had, and it was a bigger problem. The bigger problem was... They had a word from the Lord, and they didn't listen. The problem is they didn't follow the advice of Barney Fife gave to Andy Griffith. And what was Barney Fife's? <laughs> nip it, Andy! Nip it in the bud! Right. Like, in the it, bud, Andy! Nip it, nip it, nip it. Okay. <laughs> Feel free to use that someday in your message. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going to do that. Okay. So that was my only contribution, and you're just going to right. I hear okay, you. whatever. He, he's got to, but first miss your audience if you want right, to, Hoss. But the first thing he did before he said "nip it in the bud," right? Was <laughs> he took a deep breath through his nose. <laughs> Andy, you know that's what he did. That right? Andy, gonna be a big nose breather. And I clipped the audio, which is always nice. Um, okay, so that all that leads up to what at that time, right? After he said all of that, when he's given, being really disparaging towards these cities, right? At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to the little children. Well, welcome back. <laughs> right? Calvin's back in the game. <laughs> no, he's not. Back up a few verses. And remove his Calvinism right now. Okay? Which, uh, the, the truth is, since we're, we're laughing and there's probably some Calvinists watching this mad now, but listen, I, I, 
I'll just say this <laughs> that that um, no, we don't have to go there. We, I mean, you know, look, I, just, I just want to see how we're it. having fun. Right, it's, I get it that there are so many things that if we took one little piece out exactly. of this, this this story, that yes. we could we could hang our our doctrine on that and be a little bit false, like that guy that said, "I'm going to find out what the Lord wants me to do," and he let the Bible fall open and he points his finger and it said, it. "Judas went out and killed himself," and he's like, "Okay, let me try another." Go and do thy likewise. He's like, no. And he's like, I got to find another word. Whatever you do, do it quickly. No, that's not how you do this, right? You, you, you. Why not? The Bible said it. Right, it said it, but it's like. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Oh, I shouldn't have brought that up. Boy, I'm telling you. Now we went to math. There's three major rules for understanding the Bible, okay? Context, context, yes. context, right? Yes. That's where it's at. And, and if you forget rules one through three, read, go back them, again. read them again, right? So you, when you look at the this where he's like, listen, you these people have rejected it, right? These city leaders, these important these these important teachers of the law, they're rejecting it. But who's not rejecting it? The people who people. the people the people people who are not caught up in titles and Entitlements and, uh, and and listen, that'll preach right there. Like when yeah. you're caught up in in being entitled to something, like I have to because my mom and dad went to that church, or my uncle's the preacher, or my dad's the minister, or whatever. Then you've missed it. Yeah. It's it's not about a name that you have. It's not about a city you live in, the color of your skin, the language you speak. It's about the relationship you have with God. This really, though, like I can see the whiteboard on the stage mm-hmm. when you did that flip, right? Turning it around. What does Jesus call blessed, and what does He say woe about? Mm-hmm. And we're th- it's here again. It's like seriously, this is no stretch. It's showing up again, where He's saying, "I thank you, Father, that you've hidden this from the what." The rich, the wise, all those things that when we look at our, at least when I look at my life and I'm like, well, I must be pleasing God because I made extra money this month. Right. Or whatever it is. You know, God's really showing me favor because I have all the things that Jesus said, woe about. What kind of sense is that making? And he says that in, in later on in scripture, I think it was a, a Paul was saying that he has used the foolish to confound the wise. Yeah, confound the wise. And so it's like he, he. How many places? Like we were on the Dominican Republic trip, and and a little kid, an amazing little guy named Jake. He, it's always a Jake. Yeah, Jake was like, um, "Hey, listen, um, you know, it's it, it's important to feel God's presence. He's always with us." And we're all like, "Here's this little." kid saying this and he's like and he's even here with us in the Dominican Republic like it's that reliance on God and he's like little children are dependent right a learned and wise person quote unquote wise educated saying look what I've accomplished here's my degrees and my accolades which I'm guilty of saying right right this is I built this like I would never want to be the person and I've and I've caught myself saying this um you know, I built that church up or whatever. I helped add. When I was there, we did this. You know, God gets the credit. God right. gets the credit because it's all about us depending on him and repenting and saying, I need God, right? And that was the sin there. So he said, yes, Father, for this was for your good pleasure. That was his prayer. He was just like, you going back to him time, man. I yeah. need thee every hour. Exactly. 
Oh, precious Lord. It, musical interlude. Okay, so... It turns into a musical interlude. Look, we don't... My, don't, life, I'm going. my life is a musical. Don't let this guy fool you, all right? I'm getting all up over here in this camera. Don't let this man fool you. When the cameras ain't on, he's singing all... <laughs> he right. lives in a musical. That's right. I, my life don't. is a musical. All right, so... <laughs> then he says, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son. And those who the son chooses to reveal to him. Okay, there is your, your Calvin. You can. <laughs> I'm just saying it's both. I'm not saying it's, it's both, either right? one. It's, I just had a Forrest and Gump moment. I think it's both, really. And then all of a sudden, I just stopped running. <laughs> right? But he says, uh, you know, the, the whole point is, is that you're not going to know God, right? Unless you really, truly accept the son because that's how we get to know the father is through the son and through his life on earth you learn more about the character of god the compassion of god all those kind of things the desire um, of god right to be with us and really Among this us. if you go context 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 right then you're talking about that he has chosen 12 to reveal himself completely to everybody else is kind of clueless so he has chosen these men to reveal himself to. So if you took this out of context, you'd be like, see, he only chooses to reveal himself to a few people. But if you back up a little bit and you go, who's he talking to? He's like, all these people rejected him. So he's like chosen these unlearned guys, these tax collectors and sinners, these zealots, these all, even the one that's going to betray him. And he's like, I'm going to reveal myself to him, which they couldn't even get until the he ascends and they go, Oh, you mean when he said he was going to Jerusalem to die and he was going to raise again? Oh, you mean when he said that he was going to turn every stone of the temple? We're the te- I get it. As it might say, right? I got it. Okay. And so then he says this. Come to me. Only those I've chosen. Let's <laughs> see. We know it's getting ready to happen. Everybody knows it. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Why? Take my yoke upon you. It's always the double-handed thing. Wait a minute. You're going to give me rest by me taking a your yoke? yoke upon me? That doesn't even compute. We're like, what is? I don't even, I don't get it. Why, You're why? telling me it's my responsibility to repent, mm-hmm. and yet it's always the, the dual-handed thing. Absolutely. Now. And I don't think that's by accident. No sense. I think God's the most misunderstood. I mean, duh, here's going to be one of those does I think God's the most misunderstood character in 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 everywhere. You, so I was talking to somebody about this last night. Like <clears throat> I said, for me, I don't need to be a pastor. I don't need the title. I don't need the accolades. Like whatever title you want to put on a minister, I don't need it. I hear you. But you need it. I need. And, and what I mean by that is the person on the other side of that needs it. And you've had this experience. I know you have. Yeah. You'll be sitting, like you'll be traveling somewhere on a plane, at a restaurant, somewhere. You start a conversation with somebody, and it's just normal human beings. You already know mm-hmm. where I'm going with this, don't you? Well. <laughs> and what do you do for a living? You're like, I, actually. I have to choose between telling them I'm a minister or telling them I'm a comedian. Yes. And, and you already know, like, in your mind, you're thinking about this because you know, finish it. If you tell them a pastor, 
the conversation's over. It's if I tell them I'm a comedian, they're like, "Tell me a joke." Right? <laughs> it's like you were just two dudes having a conversation until you're like, "Oh, I'm in the ministry," and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, or you yeah. know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. And, and all the people get so weird on that. So, and I think Jesus was the same way when they were like, you know, think about the woman at the well, right? And I just, I kind of really wonder, like, I know you've done theater and you wonder, like, the context of that moment. Like, at what, how did he say it? You know, she's like, I know you say this. And he's like, you know, I tell you, woman. Yeah. <laughs> I am he. Look, woman. That's and, terrible. I and would he, never say he that. knows that the conversation is never going back. The relationship is never reverting to a mm-hmm. point where it's just him having a conversation with this woman at the well. And, and I wonder, like, sometimes when God is, I mean, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, how much did he enjoy um, traveling incognito, undercover boss, so to speak? Right. I think, I think he enjoyed it immensely. So now I've got to go back to this. Yeah, yeah, I know we got to write a message at one why, point, right? But why? <laughs> it's like we got to go back to this. Yeah. Is, okay, my mind's like going 100 miles an hour. Look, he said, take action, right? Responsibility. My yoke, not yours, upon you. A yoke is, this is a terrible yoke, but we'll do it anyway, okay? <laughs> it takes. A yoke is like a unibrow. Right. <laughs> you're drawing a unibrow. That's all you're drawing. Yeah, we got an eye here, no. <laughs> So uh, basically take my yoke, right? So Jesus is here, right? And you are here. So what he's saying is, join me. Take my yoke, which we need to unpack what that means, upon you. Like, saddle up. I mean, fix yourself with me. You can't, you know, here's the thing. And you know this, you can't read about doing push-ups and benefit from it. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's doing push-ups. That's how you learn. And yeah, of course, when I do them, they're actually called earth downs. Right. <laughs> you just force. I just push them down. Just, I'm pushing the earth down. But I think about how many times I see somebody's library, and I'm like, wow, you have studied a lot of Christianity, but that's not what Jesus is saying here. He says, "This is where the rubber meets the road." Take it. Up. Upon you, upon you. Put this on your. Don't. It's. We're back in James. I know you love James. Well, I do. Now he. Now this is so powerful. What is the yoke? That's the question we have to answer. Why did he bring up yoke? Okay, one reason. A bunch of farmers listening to him, right? Another reason. What is the yoke of a teacher? So I was reading the book by Tom. Rainer, is that his name? Tom Rainer. And it's called Simple Church. And he said that uh, a yoke uh, in that time was what a rabbi had. It was their group of teaching. Go ahead, I'm listening. So, and a lot of rabbis would yoke their their followers to this really difficult things to, to follow. Like they would be very, you know, legalistic and dogmatic with them. And it was like almost impossible for them to follow the teachings. And he's like, listen, take um, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. 
Like, learn my teachings, right? For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And, and, and so, what, what, was his, what was his major teachings? What was his laws, right? Well, he just kind of did this. I mean, the progression of Matthew, Matthew is amazing. So, if, if these were elements... As uh, Jeff Walling said one time, the L1's connected to the L2. But this is L1 and L2. So it's it's love, God, uh-huh. and love others. That's his teaching. He's like, that's how easy it is, right? That, that's, he's like, that's my yoke. But what the, the question I think that I want to answer this week looking at all of this is what are the other yokes of the Bible? I was um, uh, looking at this verse in Isaiah 10, 27. I'm going there. I'm going there. Now watch this. In that I feel day, a choose your character moment coming up. Choose your yoke. Yeah, which yoke do you want, right? <laughs> it says, in that day, their burden will be lifted from your shoulders, their yoke from your neck. Wow. The yoke will be broken because it has grown so fat I like that it's like it's it's like it's such a burden in that day the Lord will end the bondage of his people he will break the yoke of slavery and lift it from their shoulders that's one translation in that day the burden will depart from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and the yoke will be broken because of the fat right it's on that day the burden will be lifted from your shoulders and the yoke from your neck uh, because the burden will be too large is basically what he's saying and so the yoke of the law Right, that's one of the yokes. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll list the yokes over here, and just talk about how he breaks them. So yokes, the yokes on you. All right, so here we go. <laughs> it had to happen. Right, someone had to say it. The law, um, sin, relationships. So I've done this lesson before, but. Look at those yokes when he's saying, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. His law is love, right? Mm. Sin is overcome. Yeah. Relationships are fixed, right? I mean, that's that's where he's going. It's like the, the, these yokes that he, that he, ouch, that he has, <laughs> right, are, are powerful. And of course... He starts to prove it immediately in chapter 12. Because then he says... Are you going into chapter 12? I can't help it. I don't know. Look at this. He says, at that time... (laughs) Right after he said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. It's there. I mean, it's all right. You can't ignore it, right? These messages... so earlier we were in the hospital, like, let's go do this thing. These messages won't write themselves. And I'm like, eh, sometimes. Sometimes they kind of do. <laughs> so his disciples were hungry, and he began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, look, or as your translation says, behold. 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 Your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. And they answered, haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? So what is that referring to? Yeah, he. Then when David ate yeah, the showbread, yeah. 
He's out running. He's like, yeah. hey, hand me some of that bread from the altar. Yeah, from the altar. He entered the house of God, and he's the companions. Ate oh, and that sword. I'll take that sword too. Bread. I love. Never mind. That's a whole different message. Well, how, but, can I have my sword back from when I cut Goliath's head? I, I love, I, dude. You gotta love David. I'm sorry. There's just so much about David I love. He's like, I'm just here for lunch and guns. I'm going to need to eat and uh, yeah, we got some, some king and stuff to do. <laughs> and which was not lawful to do, but only for the priests, right? They could only once eat it. Or haven't you read the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple desecrate the day and yet are innocent? Yep. I tell you that it's like that you like don't yeah, work on Sunday. The preacher has Sabbath. to. Yes, and here's the thing. And Christ, who became a curse for us, cursed is everyone who's hanged on a tree. Is part right. of his priestly duty. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, right. So I tell you that that one greater than the temple is here. <laughs> if you had known <laughs> what these words mean, I desire wow. mercy, not sacrifice. Come on, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Hey. <laughs> Going from that place, he went to their synagogue. And okay, so let's, we'll stop right there. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. Then he goes and he heals a man on Sabbath day. Right? So here, here's what's funny. He's saying, like, listen, it wasn't so that people would go hungry. Are people more important than the Sabbath? Well, yeah, I mean, the... The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. I mean, that's, yeah. It wasn't to put a yoke on us. I'm sorry, I jumped ahead. I can't get away from this because, man, I shouldn't do this. But so Jesus heals a man with a withered hand. Right. And I'm thinking about this, like how, how this law, like putting too big of a burden on someone restricts, right? And I think it's a picture. Mm. Like the withered hand is a picture of how we're our reach is restricted by the law and all this stuff we're trying to keep. Well, now here's the interesting thing: Jesus heals the man with a withered hand. Okay, but then in verse 15, I know I'm going way ahead. That's no, okay. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew. And I'm thinking about that. It's the same. It's the same picture. He's using word pictures. Yeah, well, because then Jesus is has to withdraw and has to shrink back because of the same religious burden that he's talking about all the way back mm-hmm. here. It's preaching all the way through. Can I get a witness? Man, sorry, go ahead. What were you go saying? Go back to okay. yeah. Put it all in this perspective. Mm. He told them that his yoke was easy and his burden is light. And then his first illustration after that is in what place? Where? In where? The temple? No, no. Before he gets to the temple, where is he? Verse 1 of chapter 12. The grain fields, right. That's where you use a yoke. You're right. That's where you use a yoke. And he's there in the grain fields, and he's like picking, he's like, and eating, you know. And of course, they were told by the law also to not harvest all the grain so they could leave the corners for people who are poor and are hungry, right? And like, you're smiling, you have something. I got, it's the story of the wheat field. It's, I'm going to, I don't, I don't want to spoil the story for you because I'd have to rush it to tell it to you, but I'm going to tell you the short version. Okay. One day I was driving by a wheat field and it was like one of those moments where the Holy Spirit was like, look at the field. <laughs> I'm like, what? It's like, look at the field, like stop and look at the field. And so I, I know it's weird. This 
just accept the fact that stuff like this happens. I'm weird. I get it. I don't care. Um, so I stop and I get out and I'm looking at the wheat field, right? Yeah. And it's like, take some of the wheat. And I'm like, oh, I can't do that because, you know, this is somebody's wheat field. It's like, it's just a little from the edges. You know, it's Old Testament. You get to glean. I'm like, oh, okay, all right, cool. So under the gleaning principle, but I still have the wheat in my van, but I was thinking about the day, like this story was playing out in my mind as I'm standing in that wheat field. And dude, you ever, you, you know you've had this where if you're willing to listen to the Holy Spirit, yes, it's amazing. I stood in the wheat field and worshiped God because of what he taught me in everything of that moment, including the whole process. Like when you're talking about the yoke and going to the field with the grain, right? Which could have been corn, could have been wheat, whatever. But of course he's not he's not making a harvest. And I think that's what, that's how crazy those Pharisees were. Right. He just I, I'm gonna pick some and eat it. Is that harvesting or is that eating? Anyway, right. That's, sorry, that was just. No, no, crazy. I think you're 100% on the right track. It's, it's why take the law of God, which was meant to be a blessing to you, yes. and turn it into a burden. Right. And that's what he was illustrating. We're doing the same thing today with the Bible. Just like when you were talking about, like with the Bible thing, we take the word of God, which was meant to give life, and we use it to create death. Second thing, where was he when he healed the shriveled man? So then he's in the temple, I know. No, no he's not. He's Dark, in the, I'm going to quit burning. He's in the synagogue. I ran ahead, okay? I but, got excited. I ran ahead. I'm not paying attention. <laughs> well, let's rewind back yeah. to the old law again. Where was a man with a shriveled hand not allowed to go? Right. The temple. He was not allowed to go in the temple. So here he's only in the synagogue trying to learn. He still wants to be a part of it. And he's like... I'll let you go in the temple. Here's how. I'll make you whole again. Oh, my goodness. Then he's like, I'm pretty sure I'm the temple. And one day we're going to be the temple, and we are the temple. He said, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as as the other. (laughs) The Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Uh, why? Why would you like this? Look, he illustrates this in all those cities. He's like, you saw the miracles and you didn't repent. They saw a miracle and they wanted to kill him. He's like, watch, I'm going to do this again. <laughs> you see all the miracles, you haven't repented, so I'm pointing that out. Now watch carefully this time. Nope. He's like, hold my Torah and watch this. <laughs> hold my Torah. Oh my goodness, that's funny. <laughs> That, we should have a t-shirt that says that, like Jesus, just like hold my Torah. And watch <laughs> just like, well, yeah, he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make something happen. Right? That was a horrible joke. That was a horrible joke. I, I really agree with that. <laughs> I, I Tanakh has said that. So I'm just <laughs> too much, too many puns for the Hebrew stuff. Okay, so but, but look back. And like, see, some people they use their degrees and their learning and their education to minister. We're like, nah, it's just, it's just for better jokes. Really, it's, it's just for better puns. It's for comedy. More languages, more puns. That's all it is. <laughs> so true. But here, here in this really powerful, powerful, powerful set of stories of historical facts. He's like, he goes and he heals and they don't repent. He goes and heals in front of the Pharisees and they don't repent. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, they, they don't want it. 
it's like I was I think I was telling you or somebody else about truth and how I was talking to my friend in, in Tennessee but that Diedrich Bonhoeffer was before he died in, in being a spy for against the Nazis here's this minister who's lying to the Nazis as a spy hiding Jews from being part of the Holocaust right this and, is a total David move by the way right and they're like well how could you possibly lie to you know you're a Christian man you're a minister how can you possibly lie to people and he's like they gave up on the truth. Mm. They don't deserve the truth anymore. Wow. They were going to use it to kill people. They don't deserve it. And l- listen, these people couldn't handle the truth of, of Scripture. Like, e- they couldn't even handle the miracles and miraculous things. Like, it, and, and, and there's this angst in uh, some of us saying, like, man, if we just had those miracles and, and we could go down to the, the children's hospital and go in the cancer wing and just touch everybody and say, you're healed, you're healed, you're healed, and then be like, see, can't you believe it? People won't. People will see, they they choose to see only what they want to see. The Pharisees didn't see the Messiah. They saw an enemy to who they had become because they wanted to hold on to the power that they had gotten. Because remember, they're Pharisees. They showed up during the Maccabean period. They're not in the Old Testament, so you're reading Matthew for the first time, and after you've read the Old Testament, you're like, where did the Pharisees guys come from? Right? Yeah, they came from purchasing the ability to have power because they weren't of the right tribes and weren't of the right group. And so here they are. They're like, okay, this guy's the real deal. That he can't heal unless he's from God. We got to get rid of him because he's going to take our seat at the table. And what was Sodom's problem? We can't change because then we're going to have to act differently. And they're going to take our seat at the city gates. God can't be the top of my list and can't be the the ruler of my heart because then he'll he'll take and and in my seat. Thank God. Yes. Right. I mean, if we understood this Jesus that we're dealing with, and I, I know I go back to this over and over and over again. But it's like you know we don't want to ask you for for your money. Do we do we understand like who we're talking about here? We're talking about the Lord of Life. Right. I mean, if I had an investment that was you're returning 100 to 1, now, you know, look, this investment's returning 100 to 1, but I don't really want you to put anything into it. Like, what? I mean, you don't believe, you don't believe it's returning. That, that's all I can say. I mean, if you, if you knew it was 100 to 1, you'd be like, look, <laughs> like, go out and borrow every pot from every friend, right? I mean, when does these stories start to sound familiar? Yeah. Like, you know? And listen, that's the problem with people in today. They How don't much believe, of my life should I have They this? don't believe in the return. Who? Who has ever come to you and said, Pastor, I'm, I'm having trouble deciding how much of my income should be allocate, allocated towards kingdom work. I think I'm overgiving. I mean, who have you ever, <laughs> anybody ever come in for counseling on that? Or <laughs> no. no one's ever asked me, we talked about it Sunday. I was asked this question from one of my elders. Like, what has anybody ever come to you and said, you know, how much should I get? I mean, like, here's my what I in, my income. What should I do? No one's ever asked me that. Right. So everybody's asking me, does it really mean I have to give ten? Because nobody wants to trust the Lord and do what He says, right? Nobody wants to take the yoke upon their neck and join Jesus in the in in the in the place of righteousness and holiness. They want, for some reason, the the yoke of the law is better because I can check boxes. It's the kingdom in reverse. Right. Is the question, will I be judged? By how much I give, 
or will I be judged by how much I keep? That should be the scarier part. I mean, that's when it's turned on its head. I'm accountable for every moment, for every, like, look at your assets, your time, your reputation, your money. I mean, if we take that treasure chest and we expand it beyond just the definition of money, everything that I own and possess that I hold near and dear to me. Was Ananias and Sapphira judged on what they gave? No. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, sir. They were judged on what they kept mm -hmm. and how they kept it. Sure. Not I, that they kept it. And I, I just remembered, yeah, you guys are with it. So I'm not saying that like we we can't keep, I mean, obviously Jesus and the disciples had to, you know, eat the grain and walk it through. I mean, we got we got to keep something. I'm just trying to, to think about the perspective of how accountable I am for what I selfishly consume. I'm a consumer. I'm I'm the dead water. Right. So if I'm going to paint this picture of chapter 11 and 12. Right. Yeah. So what's in, what's out? So um, I'm going to start, keep it. I want to start with John the Baptist. You still only get 30 minutes, right? I know. I so get 30 minutes. Pour all this into this. that 30-minute phone. Because, like, we've been on this, um, let's see. Have we? Gosh, what's it running? Probably over an hour. Anyway. I'm not sure. I don't know. It's, I just uh, zoomed out. Okay, hold on. It, it doesn't say how long my... Oh, we've been doing it for an hour. So okay. I, we put an hour into unpacking all this stuff, and I've got to crunch it down to 30 minutes. So here's what I'm saying. John shows up, and he says, you know, you're going to be persecuted. Like my brother was mentioning in, in 2 Timothy, right? You're going to be persecuted. Jesus tells him, you're not getting out of jail. His message is so powerful. Yeah, we're going to be seeing something greater. We're going to see the kingdom, right? And then he says, if you just repent, do what he said. These cities would be way better off. They'd be like if Sodom had repented, it'd still be here. And then he's like, but what I need you to do is take my yoke, my group of teaching, love God, love others. Don't choose the the, the yoke of law because that's going to burden you beyond, like that's the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That was their problem. Don't choose sin like Sodom and Gomorrah did. And don't choose relationships with the world. Choose a relationship with God. That's what he wants you to do. Break those wooden yokes. Don't be enslaved to other people. Don't be enslaved to sin. And don't be a slave to the law. But what he wants you to do, be a slave to love because that's what he was. Philippians chapter 2 talks about, for the, Philippians chapter 1, verse 1 says, from Paul and Timothy, slaves to Jesus Christ. And then it says, and you know, he, in chapter 2, he went to the cross because he was a slave to the love. This is paraphrasing and kind of unpacking it. A slave to the love that he had for us. You know, he became a man to die. So really drawing the message to more of a thematic tone. Right. And using the action as illustrations of that theme. Exactly. Sounds like. And the theme being, it's all about it's all about the love. Where is the love? Shot to the heart. No, wrong song. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. Well, then let's pray for anybody who's watching right now and then kind of, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, so really you guys weren't here for the full thing, just the unpacking. And so sometimes the unpacking is the biggest part. So there's the unpacking, getting everything out on the table. Right. And then there's the one of these things is not like the other. And then there's the pull it all back together, and then you get this great message, and then it changes Sunday morning. 
<laughs> it's been our mo, right? It has really, truly been our it mo. Does. Like, oh, this, but yeah. yeah, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it all. As I, as I mull over it for the next few days, <laughs> it just kind of goes through a metamorphosis, and uh, it becomes a message, you know. And and there's so many things in Scripture that talk about things like. The, these different yokes, and I love the passage in Jeremiah that talks about he'll break the wooden yoke that's on yes. his neck, and then he'll raise up a David king. Oh, come and, on now. And he, that's Jesus, right? He rose up from the dead for us, so to break the yoke. David has just been coming up all in this story, man. Well, I mean, the, the point is, is that um, Old Testament, <laughs> okay, the Old Testament David, he was brought in when those that were are, that were in charge were not doing it right. Mm-hmm. There's a point where it says the Spirit of the Lord left Saul, right? Mm-hmm. And so that same scenario, or scenario, depending on where you live, <laughs> is, is, is played out when the king, the false king, if you're looking at the whole narrative of, of Matthew as we've been unpacking it since Christmas... The false king Herod, who's not even fully Jewish, nor in the line the of the poser king, king, the poser right. king, the poser king, yeah, is there. And the spirit but of the they, Lord is not they had, with a, him. they had a poser king, and they had the poser priests in the form of the Pharisees. Absolutely, and Jesus comes to say, "No, that's not how it is." He's like, this. "Neither one. They're they're all frauds. The whole thing is." Wow! They bought their way in, man, on both accounts. And they, they don't want to lose it, so they try to get rid of the real king. Saul didn't want to lose his power, wanted to kill David. There's so many word pictures here. There's so many a beautiful foreshadowing of what is going to happen in the New Testament. It is so, this, this story of the gospel of Matthew is rich. It, it is not to be read in one little piece here, and one little piece there, one story there, one story there. It's to, be, it's to be done like we're doing it, walking through the whole thing to say, what is the story of Jesus? And he shows up at a time when people bought their way into power and everybody else has been oppressed. And he's like, that yoke is no good for you. What's good for you is love. And that's what I've been showing from all. When he's like, uh, a new law I give to you, love others. Wait, and then in Deuteronomy, yeah, <laughs> but they'd rather see in Deuteronomy that if your hand is shriveled, you can't go into the kingdom. Yeah, if you're a eunuch, you can't enter the temple. Well, the thing that's unique, different, is that when he says love, as I have loved, well, that's that's the whole thing. I mean, now it's you've already seen the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As they said in college. We're going to get this all started back up again. That's how preach. We were supposed to pray for some folk. Right. So, anyway, we, we, uh, we love you guys, and we're yeah. so thankful to be a part of, you know, putting this, together a sermon. This, this is like an awesome honor. thing about it. It is honorable. That's, yeah. I, the gratitude Humble. in my heart right now that Christ would choose um, to to show, to show allow us to see these things is just immense. And to share, but you get to see and share, right? Don't you love that? Like when you know that that like days like these happen. Yeah. And here's what happens with me: like somebody in the next twenty-four to thirty-six hours is going to. It happens in the next twenty-four to thirty-six hours. Somebody's going to bring up something from here. Right. The context of their life is going to be set in it, and I'm like, 
have I got something for you. Exactly. You're going to love this. And, and what I, what we saw like this past Sunday, we had guest worship leaders because our worship leader was skiing. Yep. And they sung every song that had everything to do with what I was going to preach about, right? And I did not share with them what I was preaching about. Wasn't that crazy? This the communion talk. Steve Steve Rivera's amazing communion talk was about what we we're going to share. I mean, how how well, you know, I was sitting with Steve and I told him I was like, "Dude, you realize that you just like set the table for that message literally. You yeah. couldn't pick t- It's it's like I don't know. It's it's amazing. It yeah. really is. Well, now that you're on camera, because you haven't been on camera the whole time, because I'm on the whiteboard up there, because um, that's magic. Because I wanted to see everybody see that I can't spell. Right. Try it. Get yourself a whiteboard. Right. And and see what happens. For some reason, it's like half your letters are gone. You give up. You give up at least a good five percent of the alphabet. Yeah. My problem is I'm thinking about the next word I'm about to write while I'm writing the word that I'm writing, and sometimes I add those letters. Now, I'm pretty sure that's what I do. So let's let's pray for our friends that are listening, and. Um, Father God, thank you for your word and how it's alive and well. We thank you for the story of your son and the beauty that it is that he 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 died for us. He came to this earth and served in such a, a incredible way. Thank you for the way that he proved his authority through his the healing of the sick and the driving out of the demons, and that he proved that you desire mercy and 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 you want to give that to us. Lord, thank you for uh, today. And thank you for uh, the people who've joined us and listened in on on all of our ranting and raving and rambling. And Lord, we know that you are leading us somewhere and we want to listen to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I just want to pray um, just the words of Jesus today. We thank you that you have chosen to reveal. We thank you that, um, that you've chosen to reveal it to those who seem unworthy. <laughs> mm. I thank you, Lord, because I know that I fit in that category and in that group. And when I sit days like today and look into the beauty of your word um, and know that it's just out there, like anybody can do this. It, the, the word of God is out there. Your Holy Spirit longs for these times to, mm. to teach us and to instruct us. And yet, uh, Lord, just thank you. Thank you for um, redeeming us. Thank you for calling us. And thank you for the patience with which you teach us um, is overwhelming. Yes, Lord. Lord, I thank you that's available to all, mm-hmm. to everyone who <laughs> will. The table is open, it's set. Come and dine is the call of the master. We thank you for that. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, if you have any other questions, go ahead and post those. And Yeah, and, uh, we'll get back to them. Hit then, it on the DM. Sorry, I wasn't monitoring mine. I know there's like four comments that came through. Right. I apologize for that, but I'll go back. We'll get back and, and answer questions. And yeah. and um, if you're anywhere near Franklin, Indiana on Sunday, 10.30 a.m., Turning Point Church. Hey, if you're not near Franklin, Indiana. Drive up. Well, I got a spare bedroom. Drive up, down, across, whatever you need to do. Right. And then you can be like... That wasn't even what they... You'll be like me and Haas. <laughs> Every Sunday afternoon, we're like, dude, that's totally not even what we prepared. That's right. That's right. right. <laughs> All right. Well, have a blessed day. We'll see you soon.